Hello, listeners. This is Rebecca Freedom, and this is episode number 61 of Heard Not Seen. Today, we have a special, and I do mean special, guest, Ronnie Landis on, and we're going to be talking about all manner of uh, existential things that pertain to our practical existence, you can say. So today's podcast is titled Transformational Upgrades passages to freedom. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Yeah, let's, let's jump in. So first and foremost, uh, rarely do I have anybody on my podcast with me. Very, wow. Yeah. What an honor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very rarely because I'm um, such a showboat. So uh, well, thank you for making the, the room <laughs> for me to slide on in here. Yeah, my pleasure. So let's, I'm just going to have you give people a little synopsis of who you be. And sort of what your work in the world is. Cool. Yeah. Well, whenever I'm asked that kind of question on a podcast, I feel inclined to to uh, just share that I was a martial artist since the age of four. It seems like my life journey really started at that particular point, and why that's relevant to me and the work I do now in the human potential field, in particular, is. When I was four years old, I was imprinted with the archetype of a superhero. And the way that I like to share that story is that the first conscious memory I have as a human being was watching a movie called Enter the Dragon Mm. with Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. And I remember that that scene um, just like anything. Like I I can't really articulate me as a four-year-old, but I remember a moment. There was an emotion that was crystallized. And it imprinted this this archetype of like a real life superhero. And like a lot of people, I grew up with comic books and I grew up with this this kind of nostalgia for the X Men and mm-hmm. and Batman and Superman. As a side note, yeah, when, uh, Gambit was the coolest one. Wolverine was my favorite. Batman and Wolverine, <laughs> but I, I think there was like a, there was a dark element to those heroes that sure. I really kind of keyed in on. So. A little bit of bias, but you know, so what was interesting looking back on that is something was definitely encoded in me when it comes to human potential. And I always had this fascination for what my human potential was. I was raised as a martial artist and a two sport athlete. I was an Olympic hopeful in Taekwondo in the early 2000s. Like, let's pause on that for a second. Like, mm-hmm. like, so you. Like, eight, what age did you start martial arts? Four years old. Okay, so four, then you have this imprint of Bruce Lee and right. superheroes, and mm-hmm. which leads you to the Olympic hopeful. That's incredible. Yeah, so that was about, like, you know, 16, 18 years later. So there's a, there's a huge gap in the story, for sure. sure. But, what I, but just to kind of, you know, there's an interesting... I've been meditating recently on i've been a little reflective on certain parts of my life that have led to where i'm at now Mm -hmm. and i'm in a particular transition in my life where i'm coming full circle with a lot of things that i had um been through and just making sense of of some of the chaos in my life and and where i'm at now and stepping fully into a new level of embodiment Mm -hmm. and letting go of some of the the um let's just call it stories or traumas or the things that haven't hadn't been fully reconciled with that were kind of holding me back and as i meditated on certain things i was reminded about this moment when i was 15 years old and this was really a huge turning point for me when i became fully committed to the martial arts path 
So when I was 15, I was I was just like anybody else, any other young man in high school, confused, but acting like I knew what I was doing and had all my stuff together. <laughs> but internally, I was definitely in conflict because there was this level of anxiety mm-hmm. and there was this level of soul urgency. And I couldn't distinct between, I didn't even have the language to even understand the difference. So I want to really, I want to punctuate those mm-hmm. two things because it's gorgeously said, like, this level of, uh, you said, urgency right. and like soul anxiety. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and then the the external, I've got it together. Totally. And the internal, like, upheaval that was going Abs- on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so there was a moment, and the, and the anxiety was, um, was basically because my outer world of like, I got it together kind of thing didn't match my internal world of like, I really don't have it together. But I'm also knowing that I'm like so close, Mm. but I just couldn't see that missing link. And so I was running on the track and field and I was, um, you know, training and I knew that I wanted to be a professional athlete, but there was something lacking in my level of confidence. Mm. Um, I didn't, you know, I won't go into the whole story, but I didn't really have the the tutelage or the guidance, especially the masculine guidance as a as a young boy growing up. All my role models were like Bruce Lee. They were dead and 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 more archetypical in nature, more like interviews or movies or or superhero stories. Like I didn't have too much real life tutelage outside of some of the teachers I had. But so in that 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 moment, I was running around the track and field. I was a little half hearted at that point in my life, and I remember this voice cracked through. And it wasn't my voice, right? We've had moments like that where like, it was not my voice, but this voice said, do you think you're going to live forever? Mm. And it, it, it's like, I, I always get, I told this story so many times, but I always get goosebumps because it was so real. It was like a lightning bolt of consciousness sh- cracking through. And after that moment, it woke me up and literally the next day and every day after that, I fully committed myself to my path and what it was that I really wanted to do and why I had this lingering anxiety because I wasn't fully living it. You know, I had, I was, I was chasing girls. I was trying to fit in with the the cool crowd. I was doing all these things that we do in high school when we're trying to figure ourselves out. Mm -hmm. But when I got that clear on it, I shifted and I, I kind of merged with my, my true identity And uh, that's kind of how that bridged over to, you know, this whole thing with the Olympics or or the the pursuit to compete in the Olympics. So that so what a like and I think so many of us, quote, light workers, healers there or this is the this is the Joseph Campbell story, the hero's journey story that a lot of us can um, in our own ways, whether it's just uh, the you know, the, the stage of, uh, corporate America going and sub suburban living, you see, I think everybody has that, like that I, Louis CK calls it like the forever empty mm. <laughs> or the angst that you said. So I'm curious, we're just going to like, just like bullet point fast forward through the yep. tools you feel like, I mean, martial arts is so powerful Yeah. as an aside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is this is all collective consciousness stuff. I was sitting at home today having a conversation with a friend about how he aikidos his emotions. Mm. And then I thought, you know, I should probably get into martial arts. So hearing you <laughs> talk yeah, about yeah. it, I was like, I, I heard it in the field already today. Um, 
Yeah, but my question is like, what tools? Like, obviously, martial arts that that crack, that lightning crack, the、mm. awareness, the commitment,、mm. and since that time, like, what tools do you feel you've onboarded、um, yeah. up to this point? Yeah, well, up to this point, it's been quite a few. I would say. Um, well, the relevance of the work I do now in the nutrition field is is been absolutely crucial. It's been instrumental in everything, and that's a whole story of how that came into being. But getting optimizing my physical body through proper nutrition and through an alkaline based nutrition, and really like clearing out all the 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 debris, whether that was pharmaceutical debris, that was tap water debris, that was processed food. Um, over animal agricultural debris that was built up in my body that was creating sludge and inflammation that actually at a particular point in my athletic journey created injuries and the inability to recover from injuries, which is what got me into nutrition in the first place. Healing from all that through proper nutrition and learning about cleansing and everything. That right there transformed my life, and it actually transformed my consciousness. So I'd say, just as one of those proper nutrition, just just basically stating that、um, is、isn't、number it, one. Isn't it crazy how our pain becomes our purpose? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's design. I think it's built into that. Every single story I've ever heard, hero's journey story, transformation story. Has that basic theme encoded into it、mm-hmm. that there's there that somehow we're guided into through the pain we're like oh that's our compass、yeah. if we don't if we don't run from it so nutrition from your own、um, injuries is something、mm-hmm. that you really got、mm-hmm. focused on but I know that you're so much more、yeah. than that you're you've you've authored a handful of books、yeah. now right.、Mm-hmm. Um, so what other what well other the second thing interesting to what you brought up I would say I wasn't going to say this but. Archetypical and metaphorical studies has actually been very helpful for me to understand the nature of reality、mm-hmm. and to pierce through the veil of like the superficiality, the plasticized and artificial reality that we oftentimes the materialistic reality, right? Like we bang on a wall and we're like, "Oh, it's the wall," but then we get into quantum physics.、Um, but even when we get into quantum physics and in kind of like cosmic consciousness. A lot of times, people can't really make the practical translation because we still see a wall, right? So,、mm-hmm. like, what helped me understand、um, the nature of just being a human being and all the the quirkiness and crazy, chaotic stuff that comes along with that is understanding archetypes、mm-hmm. and understanding life more as a metaphor、mm-hmm. instead of a literal, like, cause, cause and、um, cause and effect kind of reality,、mm-hmm. and just looking at like, okay, what's the metaphor to this? Like, what what is the gift in the shadow, kind of thing, you know? Like, what, really doing that, and you could call that maybe shadow work or shadow integration. But to me, it's just like it's it's literally the hero's journey. Like Joseph Campbell's work was all about、mm-hmm. archetypes and metaphors,、mm-hmm. and I remember getting into his work and and getting like getting that like oh my gosh, everything is wrapped up like a riddle. <laughs> so if I could actually start to look at it, look at like the riddle,、uh-huh. and and think just a little bit deeper than I am, then maybe I can see something that I couldn't see before that I thought was a problem. It's really so. It's so cool, and I think it's always interesting where these conversations go. To say,、um, is one of your gifts identifying people's archetypes and helping、mm. them sort of weave their life differently 
because of that, you know, yeah. I, and cause I, um, I'll just share this. I just had had like a three hour healing with this guy. And the most powerful thing I said in the healing was I'm a witch. I'm a mm. witch. And as soon as I said that mm-hmm. my whole life coalesced yeah. and I was like, Oh, like, which is, of course, you're afraid to be yourself because you're persecuted, totally. banished. But if you are yourself, you're full in power. You're in communion with nature. And I was like, even if it's an archetype, it's so, it's a the witch, the sorceress, the wizard, whatever. Mm. So powerful. So um, I'm curious in your, <laughs> yeah, in your, do you think I'm a witch? No, I'm just kidding. My curious if um, in the journey, if you, what you you said you started with the hero archetype. Is that right. still alive for you or is it, it something it, else? Yeah, I would say the heroes matured a lot, though, from like the saving a damsel in distress kind of uh, profile to more like to and even matured out of like I have to save the world because I, I remember because that that also became pretty prevalent. But now it's like I don't even know if it's the hero, but it's like. The warrior is definitely part of my my profile for sure. And then there's also like the alchemist and the magician and the lover okay, okay. that's coming cool. into play. Before we like flood people because they're like, ooh, what's that? What's that? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> so the would you just give me like a one word description of sort of the the essence yeah. of each sort of archetype. So the okay. hero's essence is primarily mm, Okay. So I would say the hero's essence is virtue. Mm, love mm-hmm. that. So hero's essence is virtue. The warrior's essence the is... The warrior's essence is initiative. The uh, alchemist's essence... Transmutation. Ah, this is so exciting. And the lover's essence... Boom, chicka, womp, The lover's <laughs> essence is... Ooh, that's a tricky one. Unification. There's, I would, yeah, I was like almost, yeah, I would say like, yeah, unification. Yeah, that's a good one. I can't even describe the energy. I think that probably is the best word. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's there's also the trickster, which is another the shadow side of uh, every archetype, right? Yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. the the play, the trickster, and I think the trickster. Just on that note, because it's relevant to what I've been I've been kind of working through lately. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the metaphor of the angel and the devil on our shoulder, and people are like, oh, that's just some religious thing. It's like, well, if you take it, you know, like we do have voices in our head, we do have. Um, ethereal or entity-based or psychic um, influences in our world, and they are persuading us in different directions, whether it's light or dark, right? So that becomes pretty interesting when you think of, like, every archetype has a light and and shadow side of it. And the game of it is integration and embracing all of it, right? Um, And how do you do that? Well, that's a bit of a a journey in of itself. Well, I think that's... I don't know. I can't speak for you, but that that's the core of the work that I think I'm learning mm-hmm. that I do is like, okay, this integrative balance path, right? Like I, I've had this experience. Everybody can listen to the past 10 podcasts and hear it of like really trying to work on myself, fix myself, look at my shadow, do the work, get to healers, get the energy balance. Mm. And then finally I was like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to drink. Now I'm going to go do some anxiety pills. Now I'm going to go to a concert. Now I'm going to have inappropriate Uh sex and just like, Mm -hmm. like, but you let the pendulum swing until you find like the middle way. It has. Yeah. Right. Like it has to, if you go from one extreme to another, it has to find that middle point. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, I think, the 
um, the facilitators, the nursemaids,、mm. the you know, the doulas, the spiritual、mm. doulas, if you will,、um, the guides、um, who. Like, if you understand archetype, then, then in some ways you can step in and out of each one. You can have an integrated archetype.、Yeah. Um, so, who do you find is really seeking you out? Who do you,、mm. who, who's showing up as your clients? It's a good question.、Um, it, it's changed as I've changed.、Mm-hmm. And. My offerings have shifted a bit as I've experimented with different people that I've wanted to work with. So, originally, it, you know, like, I mean, originally, like, you know, way before I even got into this work, it was martial arts students.、Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, because I actually ran a Taekwondo school for years, too,、mm-hmm. paralleling my, my athletic career. So, obviously, I was working with a lot of martial arts students. And then after that, and getting into this professional work as a nutritionist, Then I started working with people that were working on health crisis issues. I've worked with people from every stage of different forms of breast cancer, autoimmune conditions like Graves' disease and Hashimoto's,、um, uh, you know, arthritic conditions, every kind of like health condition you can think of. I've worked with. Inflammation. Yeah, in, yeah, inflammation based conditions.、Um, and, then, and then it started shifting over the years into working with people more in a transformational Mental, emotional, and spiritual, and then eventually entrepreneurial base, where、mm-hmm. I started actually working with a lot of health coaches and spiritual based entrepreneurs on developing the mental and emotional muscle, as well as the strategic kind of acumen to build their unique business.、Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's interesting because now I'm in another transition <laughs> where I'm not exactly sure what the next phase of that looks like. But it's going to be interesting. And I think it's ultimately an evolution and an integration of, of all the different archetypes of people that have mirrored me along this path. Because we, we, you know, the people that show up, whether they're our clients or they're our mentors or they're our partners, in some way or another, it is a mirror for ourselves. Yeah, where I might. Um, favorite saying currently is we're all walking each other home. Right. It's just such a, a, a powerful、um, statement. So、um, I'm aware that this year, and I was having again this conversation earlier today, that the Lion's Gate happened、uh, over the, the solar eclipse、mm-hmm. you know, that came、mm-hmm. over North、yeah. America. And that, that is all I know about it is that the,、um, the star of like Leo moved out of the, and moved, Virgo moved into it. And it feels like so many people、mm-hmm. I'm talking to are mentioning almost this like dissolving、mm-hmm. of, of, of identity or this dissolving of、uh, direction or even、um, The platform of which they're standing on has been,、uh, they're being called to the next、Absolutely. level <laughs> or to confining. But there,、mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can attest for me that,、um, and me in the last like 15 podcasts, that my passageway was through heartbreak、mm. to, to get here. And, you know, there's all different sorts of areas of dismantling. I know some people that it's touching every single area、mm-hmm. of their life. And then a huge question of like, okay, now, What? What do I build now? So, can you do you feel like you've、yeah. been in that like death rebirth process? Can you、Absolutely. speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. It's been just like that.、Mm-hmm. It, um, 
It's been pretty intense for me the last six months or so. Um, and that's also when I got into a romantic relationship and and everything kind of got catalyzed from there and business um, business things started to shift and a lot of things that I was building or thought that I wanted to build to another level just just literally weren't working and it's and that's the easiest way to say it it wasn't I mean doing everything to the T all the marketing all the everything you can imagine and yet none of it's really working and so when we're posed with those kind of situations, it causes us to have to actually have to like reevaluate, like, where is our motivation? What are we doing this for? Is this what we want to be doing? What would have been the downfall of success? Mm. Like if I actually was successful, how much more time would I have wasted doing this thing? You know, I, I really feel like when <clears throat> I'll speak for my, in, you know, just this recent experience, when certain things that I had been working and felt so much conviction towards stopped working and, and, and I, it wasn't like a stop work. It, it wasn't like, Oh, I need to keep working hard. It was like, Ooh, like this isn't working. There's not, there's not a negotiation to that. point. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit mm-hmm. um, because there certain areas, obviously in business, it was aware where you're like, this can't be negotiated, changed, amended. <clears throat> but I remember, um, Faith, thank you, social media, a post where um, you opened up about in your relationship, there were those mm. deep pockets of like, maybe this isn't going to work. Sure. But then you did negotiate your way through that piece. Can you talk in terms of the me? relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the relationship was a whole different dynamic, and and I think, but I think it could be, it could show up in any area. I think it's just like that with the relationship, there was this newness, there was this this like dynamic, like there's this dynamic sacred connection. So, I I think there's a little less heart invested in that particular business, not because anything was wrong with it, but because I was growing out of it. And Let's say that, say that again. Not because anything was wrong. No, no there was not. I mean, by anyone's scope, it was incredibly noble and virtuous and also incredibly, uh, you know, just what most people in that industry, I guess, would dream of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart, I just grew out of it, right? Like, I literally found myself growing out of it. It was growing pains. And nobody tells you this when it's happening. You don't know this is happening. You just feel what you feel and try to make sense. The brain tries to make sense of it along the way. And all kinds of crazy stories can come up through that. And with the relationship, I mean, every single story came up. And yet there was this sense of like when we were both on the edge, it just... I, I tried to get out of it. Mm. And I don't mean like bail. I just mean like I tried to reconcile. I tried to to harmoniously complete it because I was convinced at particular pockets like, hey, this isn't supporting each other. There's just too much coming up. Mm-hmm. There's too much emotion. It's distracting. It just doesn't feel right. And yet in that, somehow there was an energy there. And I just had to kind of like almost like submit like the green, like the green fairy that just keeps coaxing you. Yeah, <laughs> forward, exactly. Right? 
So like, again, like just following there, there was still an energy pulling you forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to speak, obviously the people. And, in the yeah. bi- and, ju- and just on that note, in yeah. the business, the energy was no longer pulling me. Mm. So what you just said is what's guided me throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm. I never had a blueprint. I've always run on my intuition and my own higher guidance. Um, and a lot of it made no sense to most people, but I just followed this kind of instinctual, um, invisible guidance. So like, that was the thing when I look back on, it, I never thought about this, but I look back on that. I, I was not pulled to the, the business thing. It, there was no, there was no connective energy there. Mm. Some, it just shifted over. There was no connective energy. That's just like, that's the difference. I think again, between when we really try to force and push when, th- when you finally realize you're just like, this is this is dead right now. Yeah. This is there's no and we can try for sometimes months or years to just push life. And oh, and I did. It. Yeah. Oh, and I did. And it got yeah. painful. Yeah, it got really painful. And it started messing up other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so to that point, um, like, because I, I feel like there's, uh, I just finished writing about that there's a faction of um, Western society that looks really good. The, mm. I, I mean, I live in Rancho Santa Fe, so I see the Ferraris and I see the Bentleys and I see the cars and the horses and the equestrians and the the estates. But then when you really listen, you start to listen um, at any level, uh, there's this general discontent right. this like thing that humans are infinitely disappointing yet we run mm-hmm. to each other for relationships mm-hmm. we run to each other um and something that's been really uh, so so we there's a a problem with the human condition the human mm-hmm. condition is a problem right mm-hmm. so i know that you kind of work with this so i'm setting you up to say mm-hmm. there are several pathways people can take mm-hmm. to quote unquote enlightenment to I, I really call it remembering mm-hmm. your whole already. You're just like you're you're endowed with what you're endowed with. But pathways to remembering, pathways to enlightenment. I I personally choose uh, church and um, Native Amer- Native American mm-hmm. sweats and mm-hmm. being generally weird. <laughs> <laughs> but some people and and a lot of people are choosing. And we talked about this last podcast: plant medicine, right? So, um, Aya, sassafras, uh, mushrooms, mm-hmm. different things like that. So in your, in your journeys, mm. like what do you, what is your sort of perspective of the, um, the, the tools that alter consciousness yeah. through, through like, like Aya versus just the tools where you're not taking a substance mm-hmm. where it's like, just like meditation. Does that make sense? Or yeah. prayer? I've, or I've been waiting for someone to ask me this question. <laughs> So um, there's a bit. I've meditated on this question, and I have a lot of experience with this context. I've I've I have an unreleased book where I've written extensively on ayahuasca and psilocybin mushrooms and and many other things. Um, and I have a lot of experience with those things, and I have a lot of experience with non mind and consciousness altering modalities such as meditation. Mm -hmm. My basic perspective that has matured over time and also just witnessing the the counterculture of psychedelics or entheogens, both in clinical settings and also in kind of haphazard settings and in Recreational. recreational to sacred ceremonial 
to clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, and after seeing the, the, the distinctions and personalities and also the benefit versus drawback of what seems to happen generally in those different settings, mm-hmm. I would say that in a, in a, um, let's take any manner of psychedelics, especially the, the more impactful ones like ayahuasca mm-hmm. or certain dosages of psilocybin, cubensis mushrooms. And, and I, or, I just want to kind of pause real quick to say that, you know, acid obviously just was a major sweep on the scene uh-huh. in the sixties. Totally. And I'm witnessing, and it's really prevalent in my awareness is ayahuasca. She's a vine. So, right. but people will defend it down to the bone about it. This is a medicine that is right. That, that is not acid's right. not medicine. Aya is right. So, so and yeah. that's, that's co- there's cognitive biases and, and that's part of the human condition is, um, people will have their, their references and their, their cognitive and emotional biases based on what they believe the truth is. Mm. Right. So we got to also be objective of our own defaults. But, you know, just on just the point I was the where I'm leading with this is all inclusive perspective, but there's distinctions that I want to set up. So if somebody that is listening to this, um, whether they're experienced or not, they have enough thought out and experiential distinctions to make an informed decision about what direction they may want to go when they're posed with an opportunity. So taking, um, I think the setting and the context is equally, if not more important than just the substance itself. Set and setting. Yeah. yeah. If it's recreational, there's certain things that in certain dosages of things that are recreational depending on the person's temperament depending on that person's emotional and mental stability pre substance mm-hmm. that's an important point as well what i've seen like if you're bonkers you're going to be yeah, more bonkers that's right yeah, yeah. you're you're going to amplify these things amplify whatever's going on in there and typically it will bring up unresolved and in dormant sides of one's personality um if they are if they don't have a handle you know, like if you like, we call that a, a bad trip, right? Terrence McKenna would call that like a, a a bad trip or something, right? Like certain certain shadow elements or repressed elements can come up. So the archi- the archetypes start the tricksters the, come that's out. That's right. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you may not be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Like so. So what I want to say. Um, as I've matured with all of this, because this could be a very, I mean, there's so many different directions. But what I do want to get off in this is that the 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 bridge is not the lifestyle right some things are a bridge to a destination but if you try to make the transition and stretch it out and stretch it out and stretch it out without realizing that this is a transition to a destination then that's where we run into problems and i've seen a lot of codependency and where people um they they haven't integrated the experience and so they're running back to have an experience and they can't handle normal reality I've and heard, that's yeah. where it becomes that's where it becomes um an issue you know depending on somebody's ability to get the lesson and integrate in normal waking hours and you know that's and that and so it's just like i guess the I guess what i want to say is that you just want to be and this can be as simple as something like coffee because coffee is a mind-altering substance. Yes, it is. Thank God for right? coffee. <laughs> yeah. But we just want to be aware. It, this is what I, I said this in the last podcast, so I'll just say it this way. 
if a substance is one source of happiness and balance and stability and they can't get that without the substance, then that's when um, I would I would encourage someone to evaluate their their lifestyle and their their nutrition, their neurotransmitter fuel, their um, whatever they're doing in their life, their relationships, their 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 dreams, whatever they're doing in their life that's feeding their sense of harmony and happiness. If they have to take a substance to feel happy and whole and complete then that's when we set ourselves up for codependency and disassociative disorders, which is what I've seen many times. Not all the time. But, well, I, so I really, again, I want to make sure that I'm bullet pointing for people because this is like, you know, this is like a treasure trove of information right now coming through. Thank you so much. Um, that uh, addiction, codependency, a codependent is a, somebody who it's a, a fear-based attachment. Right. And, and, and that is, um, that can really drive people to, I've heard it said, hide behind the medicine, um, where they make the bridge, mm-hmm. the destination beautifully spoken. So just to be aware right. and then, but as bodies, we are always taking in substances. Mm, the Right, right. So, so what we're talking about here is um, is the real like sort it's of a what's relational your, what's aspect. your relationship with it? Yeah. That's the basic, yeah. And and some some relationships are ongoing and consistent, and some relationships are long distance and are you know like with family. I visit my family once or twice a year, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm with my partner. We communicate every day, but we see each other. Maybe there's a space we see each other a couple times a week. You know, like. I have close friends and I have more distant friends, you know, and I think there's a there's a pro and there's a benefit and drawback to everything. And so I, I just want to bring that in. Like everything has a benefit and everything has a drawback. There's always support and challenge built into everything. Mm-hmm. So it's never black or white. It's context related and it's person specific. And as a final note, just on that thought process, no matter what somebody's journey with this is, it's all about integration and embodiment. So what I learned from my last ayahuasca experience, I had the most profound transformative experience my first time around. It was incredible. And I found myself wanting to recapture that experience. So the following times I did ayahuasca, I was slightly disappointed because it wasn't the same experience. And then more recently, a couple months ago, I had another ceremony. And it was actually, it almost felt like a waste of time in a weird way. Because literally, I got nothing out of it other than the realization that um, I actually didn't need to do it except for that one time. Because that one time was... Was the time. Was the lesson. And I realized like, wow, oh, wait a minute. I didn't actually need to go and do that to to re-get, to go watch the movie again. I needed to live it. Well, let's talk about the how the ego gets involved because it, it, it's a little, it does. It says, oh, look at, we had this incredible peak experience mm-hmm. and we're just going to, we're going to plug that into the matrix of our, of our being 
and we're going to loop it, right? And then all of a sudden, right. then a pattern is formed, right. and then and then all of a sudden, certain patterns get on, put on autopilot. Okay, well, I guess it's time for me to have a spiritual experience. Well, remember that time you did ayahuasca? So then you plug <laughs> that. Then it's like it's a DOS right. program, and you actually that's brilliant. When you had that awareness, you're like, I only needed it one time. Then all of a sudden, you recoded. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. I think that was a brilliant kind of analogy you just laid out. And, and you know, ultimately, um, I think it comes down to how do we live our life day to day? And I think that, again, the, those substances have a relevancy and they have a sacredness and they're not for everybody. And some people are karmically and spiritually called to work with them mm-hmm. um, consistently. Mm-hmm. And some people are meant to have um, less frequent or possibly even one-time-off experiences, and then they go back off into the world and, and, and do what they do. So I think that like forms of meditation if it, here's the thing, if you if you take what you learn from that experience, you integrate it in your life, you resolve um, things that you might have been avoiding, you resolve your personal issues and traumas, and you you actually take the lesson and apply it to your day to day life. I bet for most people, I'm not going to speak for, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I bet for most people, if they actually did that like a homework assignment and lived it. The, the pull to do the medicine again would be very low frequency, if, if at all. Because what's the reason that we're going to do the medicine if at all, unless it's to help us heal? So if we've already, if we're already healing our life as a way of life, then what's the pull to do the substance? So there's a quote by Rumi I want to throw in here. This, if it's a healing you seek, allow yourself to fall ill. Oh, and, I love that. Yeah, so I want to speak to that piece as we switch, and we'll <laughs> mm. talk about the meditation experiences to say that one of the things, the maturity I'm stepping into with the different modalities I do is that this is the human condition, and we take our trauma personally because it gives us significance, right? right? I was raped, I was neglected, mm. I was left alone, I was broken up with, or I look at all the money that I made, right? Because... There's there can be an aggression of violence to things, and you're just like, really? Why did I come to this earth? Mm. Like, why did a soul choose to like step into a flesh suit? And I was like, because as an infinite being, you need nothing. You're you're bored, right. <laughs> or whatever, right? You have acts, mm-hmm. but but this is the realm of consequence. This is the realm, the experiential sort of realm. So I really, as I as I'm watching people um, get into plant medicine, seek out their healing. And I was just like, the four agreements. The first thing is like, don't take it personally. Mm. But we have to take it personally first. In order to get that. To go, yeah. I think, to, like you said, the the alchemist to step into the transmutation. Right, right. Which I think prayer and meditation mm. and nature and those things, I think, um, I'll say this last piece and I'll give it back to you. My aunt said it so well. She's like, as a human being, you can alter your behavior. You can sort of change your thought process. You can interact with uh, different elements. But she's like, transformation is up to God. Tran- like true transformation is yes. you and your higher, the relationship mm. between your higher power. So I'll give it back to you when it comes to like yeah. the other modalities that you're yeah. familiar with. Well, it's like you can't, you can't, um, 
you can't predict or even cause grace to happen. It just carries us, usually at the the peak of a dark experience, or I don't even dark experience, but a challenging experience, or back is up against the wall. Then you know grace comes in, right? So it's 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 something. Even if you're going after a substance to experience that, it's probably a bad strategy or it's an ineffective strategy because the intention to experience a particular experience is probably going to adjust it. Where if you just didn't have that intention or that attachment, then you're more likely to experience grace. Um, and so, you know, as far as how we live our life, everybody's going to find their own tools. What I've found to be effective and most effective for most people is having a meditation practice where in a sober state, we are able to connect with the divine, the divine without and the divine within and to create that communication that to me, especially as I've matured, that to me has been the number one thing. And I, and also what's been coming up for me lately is is the sense to actually ask for help. And I don't mean just ask people. I mean to ask God mm-hmm. or to ask my guide or my guides or angels or whatever you want to call it to actually ask verbally for help because I, I didn't do that before. And and I, I you know had an experience where I just I kind of figured I was like, well, maybe I actually need to like ask Mm -hmm. for help maybe there's a non-interference rule in the universe and certain beings that want to support can't support unless you invite them in kind of similar to a vampire you can invite a vampire in or you can invite an angel in right really beautiful so there's so i'm sure we could go for hours on this and um to that infinite rabbit holes clearly yeah obviously (laughs) but the the point that i want to say and punctuate this with is as the is that particular magic of ask and you shall receive and but um but we work our way through pain through the evolution through the uh, uh, the place where it's like oh i can now ask for this i can now and um to the point of today's podcast I had the awareness. I was like, you know why I've never made $55,000 with a client or a million dollars with a client or whatever number you want to, because I've never asked for it. Right. Never asked. So, you know, obviously, um, but the big ask out there that, that Ronnie and I are both an invitation. Mm. I would say we're both an invitation for people that are wanting to get, who are dying inside, who are dead inside, Mm. who are just like living that zombie life. And who actually want integration, mm. embodiment, connection, mm-hmm. and really learning the art of of asking? I'm sure there's so, there's so there's so many riches here. So tell people how to get a hold of you. Yeah, and do I have like maybe thirty seconds, 30 to, seconds. to complete? Yeah. I, it's it's so important that I say this one thing because it symbolizes the work I do in the world, and it's really about the sense that. When you treat your body like a holy temple and you don't desecrate your holy temple by the way that you eat and what you eat and the intention of it, and, and obviously that has to do with the mind and our emotions and our spiritual connection, but most particularly towards the way that we fuel our body, when we treat ourselves like we actually love ourselves, we begin to experience more love. And there's a powerful effect that happens when we actually invest in ourself. And I'm speaking specifically from a food and health perspective. Um, so I want to get that in there, like, like feeding yourself well. Everything we've talked about 
um, will, if you are seeking that healing, start with how you feel yourself, start with meditation, start with how you, your relationship with yourself and, and start loving yourself and start treating yourself and investing in yourself like you're the number one priority to your life and, and very quickly you will be. Um, oh, man. So I just got to get that out there. <laughs> and then how, how do people get a hold of you? Um, uh, people can get a hold of me through social media. They could go to my website, uh, net. I have another website for any of those like super health enthusiasts um, out there called the Holistic Health Mastery Program, which is an online holistic nutrition certification course. They can look a lot deeper into that if they're, they really want to go down that particular uh, rabbit hole. Um, I have a podcast, um, The Holistic Health and Human Potential Show. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff out there. Just go to my website. It's all laid out there for you yeah. um, or find me on social media. Great. And we'll put that in show notes. Also, if you are wanting a deeper connection of a heart, soul, and body, you know, I, I'm stepping into my witchiness. Mm. It's not just psychicness. It's not just counseling. It's not just comedy. <laughs> it's all of the above. So there's an, an invitation here for you to have more of who you truly be. Reach out to me at RebeccaFreedom.com. That's R-E-B-E-K-A-H Freedom.com. Ronnie, thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on today and just dropping some knowledge. This is Rebecca B. Set Free. <laughs>